the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K23. Once again, if you haven't got your copy pre-ordered yet, hit the link in the bio right about now and get your copy pre-ordered. Mo Mootsi here alongside, as always, BJ Armstrong. BJ, you ready for another one? Uh, here's another one and another one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's been, uh, there's been a few things happening in the media while we were away because we took a little break. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, oh. it's just, I just want to talk about some interesting things. Now, you know, okay. the ahead. leader, the, the leader of what they call the new media, appointed by Draymond Green himself, JJ Reddick, went on ESPN. I think this is while we were at the finals, B, or, or just after. And he said that. Bob Cousy played against Plumbers and whatever, whatever. JJ JJ Reddick said this on ESPN. What was the exact quote? I don't know. Um, But he basically said um, that Bob Cousy played against Plumbers and Firemen when he was trying to make a point that Chris Paul was much better than JJ Reddick. And the great Jerry West has responded to these comments from JJ Reddick. Okay. And um, he hasn't taken too kindly from them. He he kind of called out JD. He goes, tell me what his career looked like. What did he do? He averaged 12 points a game. Um, and, you know, I, I get where Jerry is coming from. He goes, JJ wasn't going to guard the elite players, so you can nitpick anyone. reason I'm talking about him is because he was not an elite player, but he was a very good player. But he had the place on a team because of his ability to shoot the ball. And... Um, you know, he went on to describe how difficult it was for NBA players to maintain their skill sets throughout the entire year. And they didn't have the facilities to get better during the year. They had to work jobs during the summer to support their families. And um, what caught me by surprise was Shaquille O'Neal has weighed in on this. Mm-hmm. When he heard about Jerry West say- and calling out JJ Reddick, he goes, stop it. Jerry West was correct. JJ ain't got enough G14 classifications to speak on the greats. And you can tell him I said that. That's apparently what Shaquille O'Neal has said. And um, I got to say, I agree with Shaq and, and Jerry West on this one. I'm not a fan of, I don't know whether he was joking, being serious, but um, calling guys plumbers and firemen. Okay. It's a different era. I was wondering if you got any thoughts on this, BJ, before I go on a little rant. You know, Mo, because I love you. We always talk about non-basketball games. And you know I love to stay on the court. Okay. You just keep you just keep grabbing me. You keep taking me off the court. Because there's no games going on right now. So we have to be off the court. Well, just we for a little about, bit. It's gonna fly by. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Is I happen to have seen, I happen to have been watching, I think it was on ESPN when JJ Reddick said that. And I watched the entire interview and the point he was making and what he was saying. And we can focus on the content and the words, but the context in which he was saying, it was with, you know, one of the guys who, you know, I, you and I, we go back and, you know, who we were watching, Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. And he was making a point with Mad Dog. Okay. And you got to watch the full, full interview to get the... Now, could he have used a better assortment of words than plumbers and firemen? Yes, he could have. 
could he have you utilized a better example? But Mo, you've been in arguments before. Sometimes you say things in an argument. Not on TV. Well, not on national TV. Well, sometime we'll eventually you and I will get there where we'll because you and I have the discipline right now to turn off the the camera when we really are arguing. These are like <laughs> Don't tell them down. the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> These are the watered down versions of what we're really saying. People really want to see the the behind the scenes arguments that you and I have, and we get after it pretty good, right? We you and I get after it pretty good, right? Yeah. You know, you troll me all the time because you think it's hilarious. <laughs> I get upset because, you know, you're young and you're you're talking stuff. And they're pretty good. It's probably better for the podcast. It's better probably for a lot of different things. But because we have discipline, we don't do that. Well, JJ, unfortunately or fortunately, he got into one of those arguments with Mad Dog. And Mad Dog, for, for those our listeners who don't know, Mad Dog is... He's a more seasoned veteran. Let's just say he, that he was you know, Skip Bayless before Skip Bayless. Yeah, yeah. He he is the one of the he's literally one of the godfathers of what we currently are talking about talking heads. I mean, he really started this screaming and hot takes and so forth and so on. Well, he got under JJ's skin, and they both got under each other's skin, and they both kind of said things. Now, fortunately for Mad Dog, he toned his down for TV, and JJ didn't. And this is what came out. I know JJ. I don't know Mad Dog, but I do know JJ. And it was just a poor choice of words, no doubt about it. However, having time to reflect like Jerry West did, and I happen to have seen Jerry West's interview, Jerry West was very thoughtful. And I think to solve the problem, to look at the entire scope is the following without Bob Cousy and all of those players, there is no, you know, BJ Armstrong in that era. There is no JJ Reddick in that era. And then as we're playing now, without those players, the Bill Russells and all of those guys who had to do what they had to do. There was no television and all of the things that's driving this business as it is now. The, the competition and in, in the landscape was a lot different. The arenas, the equipment, travel, da-da-da-da-da-da. The climate of the country was different. So there were a lot of things. And I think if given time to reflect it, maybe we'll have JJ on the, on the show. Maybe he will like to address that situation here. But... It's hard for me to believe, you know, I know JJ a little bit. I'm not saying that we're the best of friends. We talk, but I know him a little bit. I would think he would probably, he would uh, maybe utilize some different words. I don't know if he'll apologize because, you know, now he's in TV. You don't go back on what he said. You know, you know that rule, right, Mo? You said what you said. You know, you mean what you say. But I do think he would probably have a better choice of words than what he currently used. So this lends itself to a bigger issue that I think NBA ha- NBA fans have. It's not just JJ Reddick, okay? It's so many NBA fans I see on the internet, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, who discredit former players. They say Michael Jordan played against plumbers and firemen as well. They say that about every former player. And this is my problem with it because 
if you look back at that and say, Bob Cousy playing against Fireman Plumbers, whatever. But then I see people say that about the 90s. They say, okay, Michael Jordan's only the greatest because he played against, look at who was guarding him. They look at like Chris Elo or whoever. And they're like, okay, cool. If you're going to keep that energy, that means in 50 years from now, are we going to look back and say, someone's going to pull up a clip of JJ Reddick trying to guard LeBron and say, oh, look at who LeBron was playing against. He was playing against Plumbers. Is that how it's going to work? Because this is well, the thing well, that like, the, the the basketball fans, and I'm not saying JJ Redick in particular, I'm saying basketball fans who have this take. The first problem is they've never watched any of this basketball from before. They've seen a picture or one or two highlights. The second part of it is obviously, obviously players in the 50s and 60s are not going to be as skilled as players today. It's called evolution. That's like trying to drive a car from the 1950s and expecting it to beat a car that was made this year in a race. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a Ford from the 50s is going to compete with a Bugay. No, it's not. It's called evolution. Now, this is why you can't compare a player now to a player from the 50s or 60s. Okay? Because as you said, BJ, everything was different for them. As Jerry West said, they had to work jobs to support their families during the summer because the NBA wasn't a business that paid crazy amounts of money like it is now. They didn't have world-class training facilities. They didn't have all these scientists around them. They didn't have people measuring their diet. They didn't have all these video and film things where they can go back and analyze the performance. And also, you know, they, they always criticize Bob Cousy for dribbling with one hand, like they see in the highlight tapes. The whole point of basketball is evolution over time. You know, a crossover move evolves every generation takes it adds something to it fade away it goes that, that's how the game evolves over time this is what i would like to say about bob Cousy, because i know everyone listening to this never watched bob Cousy play okay he played in the 50s and 60s five six-time champion mvp 13-time all-star two-time all-star game mvp 10 times all nba first team that the list goes on eight-time assist leader okay ncaa champion all american clearly wasn't not talented, clearly a very talented basketball player. So my question is, if he was born in 1984, just like JJ Redick was, do you think he would have still been, that? maybe he wouldn't have been a six-time champion, but I could bet he would have still been a pretty damn good basketball player because he would have had access to all the same things that JJ Redick did as he grew up and developed as a basketball player. Do you see where I'm coming from with this? Yeah, it's okay. an impossible comparison to make. We can't compare, we can't compare Joel Embiid to Bill Russell because I heard him go on. I think he was on someone's show, and he he said that he was better than Bill Russell. You cannot compare Joel Embiid to Bill Russell. You just, it, there's no point okay. in having the conversation. Well, here's the thing: as a young man, I I have a 21 year old son, and he loves to argue things and it's really fun to do right he wants to tell me who's the greatest player in this generation i want to tell him who i think is and we go back and forth and it's really it's 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 really fun it's fun i mean it's it's fun i can i can only imagine you're sitting around with your friends you know you're in a whether it's a party, a bar at home, and you're arguing with your buddies and who's right, who's wrong, and you take sides and people jump in. Okay, you give your opinion. 
to watch guys get on television and podcasts and radio and these things and argue, you know, it's, sometimes it can be fun. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can be annoying when guys are having these takes and you go, oh, what what are they what are they really talking about? Okay. Um, but I will say this. It is a way to compare players from different eras. Okay. It's it's a it's a really sophisticated argument, but it's so simple now, it just it goes right by all of us myself included. It's called the fundamentals of the game. The fundamentals of the game never change. The rules change. The way they teach the game changes, okay? There were no jump shooters <laughs> back then. Well, there was no stop and pop back then. There was no crossover right to left or left to right back then, okay? The floors in which they play on, they were playing in part like halls mm-hmm. and just put it up. Okay. Back then the sneakers, the sneakers were okay. <laughs> back then. Okay. But when you watch the game, Mo, with a trained eye, it's like, it's like being a, a doctor. You're watching something with a trained eye. You can see past the timelines. You can see past, you know, we think, you know, we take the fadeaway jump shot, right? I remember as a kid watching guys shoot fadeaways. We didn't know what it was. It's called a fadeaway, okay? We think that the step back just came in 2000. Your, one of your favorite, one of your... One of your favorite players, all right, the step back. When did when did the step back come, Mo, according to you? Step back, okay. The step back was Kiki Vanderway had a little step back when he played, but there's probably players before that that I haven't seen that had a step back move. So okay. In I the, mean, because the, then the... you have that, then the, then obviously now it's like Luca before it's like harder and the ball pits, but when you go back okay. all the way, I'm sure there's players before that I've not even thought of. Okay. So when I first saw the step back, it was in the late 70s, early 80s. When I first saw the step back, I can remember the step back. And then some years later, I, I, I read from Larry Bird where he learned this move called the step back. And I remember we, we both saw it for the first time on a different timeline, but from the same exact guy. The guy used to play for the, the guy went to the University of Detroit. His name was Terry Durod. Yeah. And they called him Sweet Dew because he had this fadeaway jump shot. He would fade away on a jump shot for whatever reason. He was like a 6'2", 6'3", max, undersized two guard. Played for Dick Vitale at the University of Detroit. Terry Durod. And he had this move where he would run to the side, step back, and fade away. And they called it the sweet do. That's what we called it in Detroit. It was a neighborhood move that every kid in the city of Detroit kind of knew locally. Bypass that. We're watching the game, my dad and I, and we see Larry Bird do the same move. And Larry, 
they go, Larry, where'd you learn this move? Larry goes, I learned it from Terry Durod. <laughs> <laughs> look this up, Mo. I know. Mo, look this up. Look this up. This is this is in the early 80s. We saw this in the NBA. And I remember where I saw it. It was at Detroit St. Cecilia School, where all the pros would play. And my dad would take me up there as a young kid to watch the pros. And Terry Durod put this move. Now, fast forward now to James Harden with a double step back. And everybody's doing this. And we think that suddenly the game has changed. It hasn't changed. What has changed is now we're coining these phrases and thinking for the first time that we invented something. No, the wheel has been around, Mo, but maybe maybe you have different tires now, but it's still the wheel. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember this move. Now, the reason I'm sharing the story is because the fundamentals, Mo, never change. Mm-hmm. And what you can see, Mo, is when you see a classic player, that utilizes the fundamentals, not his athleticism, not his just his height, not just how, how strong he is. When a player utilizes his or her fundamentals of the game, it transfers from one generation to the other. I don't care what area you're playing in. And when you see Bob Cousy, okay, for instance, yeah, I saw Bob Cousy only playing with his right hand, but why go to your left if no one's fast enough to keep you from going right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But what he did do was he understood spacing. He understood angles. He understand how to use bounce passes, lob passes, right hand passes, chest pass, bounce pass. He understood the proper spacing be- uh, between players. Is it bull he understood insane? Okay. He, we, he understood Mo time and score. He understood Mo. Before we even coined it, fast break. I don't know what we coined it back then, right? He was utilizing the fast break. Mo, think of this. I remember watching Bob Cousy and and my high school coach showing me how to get open in an outlet. Mm -hmm. Mo, listen to what I'm saying. I learned from Bob Cousy as a point guard how to get open and catch the ball in the center of the court, unlike what they were teaching some to people to the wings. wings. Yes. Yeah, in you England, they still be teaching. <laughs> okay. And you know who else is, you know, who else did that was excellent. John Stockton. Yep. Okay. So Mo, when you watch the fundamentals, not just the periphery, the stuff that, you know, did he have a crossover? Did he did this? Allen Iverson had a had a crossover and all of those things. But you know what I appreciated about his game? How Allen Iverson understood the spacing, when to utilize these things, because he was a smaller player. That never changed. Mo, that never changes. And this is watching Steph Curry right now is no different than watching Bob Cousy. It may look different. It may appear to be different. But when you watch how Steph Curry gets the angles because he's not the biggest guy on the floor. He's not the fastest guy on the floor. He's not. But Mo, when I watched him bump off your guy, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Don't remind me. Okay. <laughs> when I watch Curry, how he utilizes ball fakes, that never changes, Mo. And that to me is what makes this a beautiful game is the fundamentals, the core of who we are. The co- Magic Johnson got all of those 
press clippings and all this is because of magic, the no look passes. But when you watch his game, just like when you watch Michael Jordan's game or you watch Kareem or you watch Larry Bird, you will be thoroughly impressed if you just watch the fundamentals of the game, because that never changes. I agree. And it speaks to what I was saying about the evolution of you were learning from Bob Cousy. And I bet JJ Reddick was watching you play and learning from you, considering how you shot the three ball from that corner, et cetera, et cetera. But my point in the reason why I don't want to compare eras, regardless of the fundamentals of the game, regardless of whatever. And this is why I use the example of Embiid versus Bill Russell. The conditions in which the players played in the 50s and 60s was very different to the conditions the players play now. You could probably give, give those give, give those players back then. It, what if they had the same resources? Exactly. Now? Bill yeah, Russell played in a time where he couldn't even stay in the same hotel as Bob Cousy. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, I know exactly what you're saying. So this is why you have to respect. If you exactly. really, you really, you really love this game. You love this game. And you watching the game, not the, the look, some of the moves are amazing, right? When you, you see, you know, the in and outs and the, the jabs and the step between has he crossed and all that. Okay. When you see all that, you know, I, I remember a guy, Pistol Pete was Pistol Pete was doing this like in the sixties. <laughs> okay. Yep. The, the, this isn't anything new. It may be new to this generation. Pistol Pete was doing all of that. I remember what typically was like, oh, Jason, remember the, remember, remember Jason Williams, uh, the kid that bus. came into the yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob Cousy, those guys were doing, I mean, not, not Bob Cousy, P- Pistol Pete, those guys were doing that. Yep. They were already doing it. Yep. Now, here's the thing. You know, when you talk about Joel Embiid and you talk about Bill Russell and you talk about Will Chamberlain and you talk about these guys. All right, you want to talk about moves and things like that? Okay, you can you can talk about Joel Embiid. I have no I have no problem with that. Joel Embiid is a great talent in his era. He's a great talent, right? When I say in this era, that's all we can look at is who he's playing against right now. He is perhaps one of the best, if not the best, big in the league. Okay, but you can't tell me that Joel Embiid, if he was playing against Bill Russell who is arguably the greatest winner of the game. He wouldn't have figured out something. Mm-hmm. And this is Bill Russell who played every game in damn Converse. Now, this is what you have to understand, Mo. And you now let's get to the, let's get to the elite level of thinking. When you're playing against a great player, you can't take away everything. That's why they're a great player. You can't take, Mo, if you cut me off right and I have the ability to go left, then advantage me. <laughs> yep. Great offense is always, always going to trump out great defense. Always. You don't know what I'm going to do. But Mo, you can guess. You can take away something. You could try to exploit something that you know I can't do. Maybe you're maybe you can get up under me if you're if you're a bigger, if you're a smaller defender player, or maybe you're stronger than me. But, Mo, if you are truly a great offensive player, okay, in this era, okay, Kevin Durant is the best offensive player, in my opinion. Why? Because of his fundamentals. I don't, I don't care what you do. 
He can, he, he, like the great George Gervin told me as a young kid, he has a shot for every occasion. He's without question. I think he's one of the elite offensive guards to ever play. I don't, regardless of error. And the reason he has an advantage is because of his size. Can't teach size. Guy seven feet with footwork and hand ball handling ability. He could play off the dribble, off the catch, da da da. He can just do it all. So when you have that level of excellence, you have a significant advantage over any player. Why? It's because I can get to any shot I want to get to. Michael Jordan, I don't care what you do. I don't care what era you dropped him off in. He's going to score 30 a night. That's a fact. I don't care who if he's playing against whoever. It doesn't matter. He is that elite, he is that elite of a score. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's going to get 30 in any era. Will Chamberlain, he will score 30, 40, 50 points in any era. Bird, Magic, some of those guys are just that elite of a talent. But the thing that they all have, when you watch Akeem Olajuwon, for instance, we talk about the dream shake. If you watch the positions in which he caught the ball, and then you broke it down to Tim Duncan, you would see perhaps the same player, except they just put their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. There, without Kuzi, there is no magic. Without Oscar, there is no Mark Jackson. Or They, you, they all go hand in hand. Why? Yep. Is because everyone, once you learn the core, that's the foundation for any player. Okay, you could talk about LeBron's size and strength and how high he jumps. Let's take all of that away. And, 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 and this is how you know that players have fundamentals. Watch how they age. LeBron, in year 19, he averaged 30, 30 a game. He may not be able to do it for 82 games. He may not be able to win games like he once could. But you watch how he's aging no more. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mo, it, it really is pretty, pretty, you know, you go, wow, the guy has fundamentals. Now, the guy has a fadeaway shot now. The guy has footwork. The guy is playing from the post. The guy now is learning how to use his body from the pinch post. You're watching him age right in front of us. Mm-hmm. He may not be able to carry and do all the things that once he could do. But when you watch players age, you begin to see their fundamental. You know, the late Kobe Bryant, when he scored, what, 60 in his last game or something like that? I was like just that? about to say, not everyone can do that. They can do that. He's, he wasn't as fast. He wasn't as strong. He couldn't jump as high. But what allowed him to do that? You know what it was, Mo? He mastered the mm-hmm. fundamentals of the game. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this and to Shaq. One year I made the all-star team. And Shaq and I, if he's ever on our show, I, 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 he will probably never remember it. We'll ask him. Shaq he's, and I he's gonna be an epidemic. So, so when we bump into yeah. him, we'll ask Shaq him. and I during practice, we started just to play a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was amazed at? Because you know, when you play against somebody, you don't really know him. You know, I just imagine like this big, strong. You thought he was going to post you up. Yeah. 
Shaq had like handles. Oh, mm-hmm. He had like a hezzy. Mm-hmm. He had like in and out. Yep. And I would, it, it, it was the funniest thing because I was seeing him in a light that I, I had no idea. The game, the, the actual player that we saw play was probably only 20% of who he was. Yep. The big fella had like footwork. We, we've all seen that had, clip. Had, we've all seen a clip of him going one on one with Michael Jordan as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you've it, seen that. It, it and was, he hits him with the little yeah. through the legs, through the legs, a little shoulder shimmy, fade away. And that's what but Mo, I I was really thoroughly impressed with his fundamentals. Like I had no idea that that much player was in that package. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness that he never put it all together because without <laughs> Houston, he would have been perhaps the greatest because of his size. Like if Shaq was coming down and hit you with an in and out, what can you do? You We couldn't do nothing with him when he was just well, he, playing with his back to the best. Even when you, when you watch him early days in Orlando, when he runs the fast break oh, man, and he, oh, no one can stop him. No one can stay with him. No, 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 no. So I, 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 I want to say, this i think this was a great topic why is because young people who are listening people who are watching the fundamentals never change mo you've heard me say it a thousand times Mm -hmm. and it's going to be like this way 40 50 years from now the players will get taller the players will get they will jump higher. You're seeing all these seven footers now that can shoot three and handle like Katie. All these kids, the Chet Holmgrens okay. and the Victor Wembanyama's coming my, through. My dream is to have five seven footers on the floor. You know. That's my dream. <laughs> okay, to have five seven footers on the floor is a far cry and stretch from what it looked like in 1970. But mm-hmm. let me tell you something: to have a seven footer have the same fundamental base as a Bob Cousy. I can't wait to see that because it's going to happen, Mo. Yep. I think it's going to happen. My main thing is just respect the game. You yes. Know, it's it's possible for someone like JJ Reddick to praise Chris Paul because that's what the original conversation was about. To say right. Chris Paul is better than Bob Cousy, that's your opinion. That's fair enough. Even though I don't think I've seen Bob Cousy quite choke like Chris Paul does. But you can do that without tearing down an entire generation. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to disrespect the players that laid the foundation for the game by generalizing all of them. I mean, you're well within your right to say this player's better than this player, but to generalize a whole group of players saying, oh, they played against firemen and plumbers, I think is disrespectful, should not run. And I think the biggest problem is a lot of NBA fans, obviously not the listeners to this podcast because they keep it 100, but a lot of NBA fans don't actually watch enough NBA. They just watch the talk shows and then the playoffs and then they go on Twitter and start talking. But actually, well, well, what I've learned, go and watch. If you want to go on, on YouTube, you can find footage of all these guys. Go and watch. What it. I've learned about, about you and I are we are extreme cases. We are yeah. extreme cases of the NBA. I mean, Mo, you and I, I okay, I will admit, I'm watching the, re-watching the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. I'm re-watching things things that when we were at the NBA finals that I may have missed because I couldn't see the playbacks. Yep. I'm rewatching them as I work out and do my little routine during the day or at night. How come? Because I want to see where the game is headed and how it's developing and what's going on. 
my interest right now is someone's probably going to get Kevin Durant in a trade. And you and I were talking about Boston yesterday, and I started watching a little bit of Boston just to see what that would look like, just in my own mind, so mm-hmm. that if it does happen, I'm prepared for it. If it doesn't happen, I'm prepared for it. And begin to watch these things. So you and I are extreme cases of the NBA. Most people don't have time. That's why they listen to the show. I want to hear what my good friend, you know, Double M has to say about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to hear what's going on on the Hoop Genius podcast to find out what's going on. I got 35, 40 minutes. But you and I are going to watch every game all the time, go through all of the the, the notes, so forth and so on. And our listeners should know, Mo and I are talking 24 hours a day. Yep. Most see something, he's sending it my way. I see something, I'm sending it his way. And then we're having, we're on, we're texting, we're calling, we're Zooming. And then yeah. the podcast is probably the last thing that we we, we talk about. Yeah. But we're probably putting in three, four hours a day. I- we put in way more than that because it just it's just like throughout <laughs> the entire course of the day because we cover two different time zones as well it's like a 24 right. hour non-stop conversation i've been thinking about this i want to involve the listeners in this conversation i'm thinking of setting up a discord server bj you don't need to worry because i know you're not going to understand what discord is i'm gonna just yes i'm gonna leave that off Thank but you. for the listeners at home if you think a discord server where we can all talk amongst ourselves and when BJ sends me stuff, I could share it with you. And when I send him stuff, I could share the same things with you. If you want to be involved in a Discord server or think it's a good idea, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts and opinions. Got to give the people what they want. Once again, another episode in the books. Tomorrow, we've got an interesting episode coming up. Because BJ's just asked me a very interesting question. Who's the most underrated player in the NBA? Ooh, 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 ooh. And guess oh, what? Oh, we got to wait all and the way guess till what? tomorrow. Guess what we've got to wait for too? Who's the most overrated player in the NBA? It's going to get spicy. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Make sure you're there nice and early. The Hoop Genius Podcast. Don't miss Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You know, you always have your signature the way you sign out. Mm. But I'm going to sign out. This is how I'm going to sign out. Go ahead. Where your game at? (laughs) (laughs) See you guys tomorrow. Like, subscribe, comment, and get buckets.